Welcome to the God and Cancel Culture podcast. I'm Stephen Strang. You know, Dr. Michael Brown is one of my heroes. He has such a brilliant mind. He has such a uh, passion for the Lord and for God's people. Uh, He's such an effective communicator, and he knows that this cancel culture is very important, and he invited me to be on his very popular radio program called Line of Fire. And I'm playing these different media interviews, one a day on my God and Cancel Culture podcast, which is continuing to grow. I invite you to listen to it, but also to go on my website, stevestrangbooks.com, where you can get an autographed copy of the book, or it's available many other places too. So here is my interview, or I should say Dr. Michael Brown's interview with me about my book, God and Cancel Culture. I'm, I'm going to do a little test here, and I'm going to type in, in quotes, the words cancel culture and do a Google search. And look at this. I get 9,670,000 results. When I did it a few days ago, it was still in the 8 millions. In other words, this has become a massive issue. The, the canceling of people, the canceling of ideas a culture that censors to the point of marginalizing and reducing someone's influence to zero if it differs. And this is of particular interest to the church. I actually have a book coming out with Charisma in March of next year called The Silencing of the Lambs about the ominous rise of cancel culture and how we can overcome it. My guest now is the CEO of Charisma Media and has written a number of important books, Stephen Strang, his new book, God and Cancel Culture, it, uh, it will educate you. It will address a lot of key issues that are happening. That's why Steve felt to write this book. And as we talked, as a publisher, author, a really good one-two punch with his book now. Just came out earlier this month in mind, coming your way in March. So, Steve, welcome back to the Line of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. You're one of my favorite people. Well, that's that's very gracious of you. We, it has been a joy to work with you. I've been uh, just impressed with what God's done in and through you and, and the joy of working together these many years. And obviously, many ways we think similarly, hence two books on very from very different angles, but on a similar subject. Okay, how, how would you define cancel culture? You come at this as a journalist, you research, you do interviews. How do you define cancel culture? Well, that's a very good question. Let me say first that I'm sure glad that my book came out first because you're so brilliant. I know we'll take a very different aspect of the same problem, but I used cancel culture as a catch-all to discuss how what, everything that's happening in the in the culture, trying to cancel really the influence of Christianity. I think that that's what it comes down to. Uh, it also has to do with communism. In fact, I have a chapter called, it's not cancel culture, it's communism, uh, because communists and other totalitarian governments have always tried to cancel everyone who didn't agree with them, whether it was Adolf Hitler or whether it's North Korea today. And what we have people in our country who have an agenda to move America so far to the left that we become socialists which is really a different kind of American communism. And, of course, communism is always atheistic. 
you know, uh, cancel culture is a relatively new term, as you're alluding to, but, you know, the Romans were trying to cancel Christianity in the first century, and of course, it didn't work. Um, There's always this going on. It's worse lately because it's aimed at anyone who doesn't agree with this leftist agenda, which has to do with sexuality, your view of election fraud, um, even COVID-19. There's a whole chapter on that. If you say certain things like uh, hydroxychloroquine or uh, ivermectin might help people get well and hello, there's an awful lot of evidence that it does, uh, they want to cancel you. And if you have the audacity to say the vaccine is dangerous, they want to cancel you in spite of the fact that I'm told that 17,000 people so far have died. Now, I always try to be careful with my statistics, and I have not literally researched that. It's sometimes hard to know, you know, what to believe. But a lot of people have died. There was another vaccine that was taken off the market when 25 people had died. And it's like we ignore that all these people are dying, yet to raise the question, they cancel you. In fact, I know um, one leader who is on YouTube who has been canceled. YouTube is one of the worst. He said, I want to talk about the V subject, but I'm going to do it on a different platform. And he actually sent his listeners over to another platform because he didn't want to get canceled. Um, that, and to me, that's scary because, you know, you hear about Mike Lindell getting canceled. The president of the United States, hello, people have been canceled because they liked, they did a like online and it was discovered and that was not uh, politically correct and people have actually lost their jobs. I have some examples of that in the book, God and Cancel Culture. So everyone becomes afraid. They say, oh, so-and-so got canceled and they're big and they're strong and if they get canceled, I'm going to get canceled. I better not say anything. And that kind of self-cancellation to me is far worse, uh, because we're actually doing their dirty work for them. We're canceling ourselves, and they don't have to. Mm. Yeah, the fact that the most powerful man on the planet, when president, as president, was banned from Twitter and banned from Facebook, it, it's, it's beyond remarkable. You may sound like his tweets are fine. <laughs> Go ahead and differ. That's, that's what our freedom of speech is, is all about. And, and I'm just looking now, as you're speaking, I'm looking at Drudge Report, Dot com, which is one of the, the biggest websites in terms of, of, of news headlines. So the giant headline, there's YouTube and then the red circle and the line through it. And then in red, YouTube bans all, quote, anti-vax content. Then on red, in red on the top, Sydney warns, Sydney, Australia, unvaccinated face total social isolation indefinitely when lockdown ends. United Airlines firing employees who refuse shot. Um, Vatican's, Vatican cracks down. What would Jesus say? NBA stars push back. So, Steve, you're not, you're not exaggerating. This is not like Chicken Little saying the sky's falling. It really is a critical moment. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm like you. Let's get the information out. Let's evaluate it. Let's make informed decisions. But this, this, the COVID part is one part of it. But you're seeing this more broadly. I just saw the other day Johnny Depp, the actor Johnny Depp, who you don't think of as a Christian spokesman, saying no one is safe in this culture. So the subtitle of your book is is urging us to stand up before it's too late. What does too late actually mean? Well, you hear the term tipping point, you know, and it comes from if you tip back in a chair, 
on two legs, you can balance for a while. But if you tip back too far, at some point you get where you can't ride the chair on four legs anymore. You, you know, you fall backward. And we're going to get to that point. I mean, it sounds like in Australia they're almost all ready there. And I've been to Australia. It's a lot like the United States. They speak English. They have a democracy. You know, it's not a very powerful. It's not a world leader. But it's very far left, and we're going to get there. At least we still have conservatives in our country who stand up to this. I mean, this is against our First Amendment rights, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, uh, you know, really going on Facebook and saying something is freedom of the press, except you're going online instead of on a printing press uh, like in the old days. And we've got to stand up. We've got to call them out. A lot of this stuff is just absolutely ridiculous, and if the public rises up against it, there'll be such a backlash that it'll stop. If we don't stop it, it's going to get worse and worse. And I think that some of the government leaders um, uh, regarding the church even tested with this whole thing with COVID. You know, we had a pandemic. I mean, that's obvious. In pandemics, we want to keep people safe. When it first happened, we didn't know what we were dealing with. It almost looked like maybe this was going to be the bubonic plague and wipe out a third of the population. Of course, that did not happen, thankfully. But in the process, everything was shut down. Churches were called non-essential. Actually, during a pandemic, when people are so upset, they need the church more than ever. Now, as things started to open up, and as rioting happened, you know, the rioters didn't wear masks and stay socially distanced and so forth. That was somehow tolerated. You could go to uh, Walmart, Sam's, all those big box stores, the grocery store, of course, and somehow you wouldn't die of COVID. But if you went to church, you were going to be a super spreader. In other words, a church was unsafe somehow. Now, as far as I know, every church I personally know of went out of their way to clean, to seat the chair six feet apart, uh, you know, to do all kinds of things, but they just wanted to have church, our freedom of religion. Our First Amendment rights do not go away when there's a crisis. They don't. But some of these lefty governors saw how passively the Christians went along with it, and uh, they actually put on fines. Now, it was in the more extreme left states, California probably being the best example, but uh, the city of Pasadena even went further than the state. They put fines on our mutual friend Cheon, who has a great church in Pasadena, leads a whole network of churches, is a great uh, Christian leader. He's never been politically active. He just hasn't. He let other people do it. But, boy, he's active now, warning people. They put a fine of $1,000, not per service. Well, actually, it was per service, per incident, but also mm-hmm. per person. So I don't know how many people came to his church because I wasn't there, but let's say it was 400. That was like $400,000 worth of fines every time they had service. Now, interestingly, people came from all over, not even people from his church, to attend the service to show their solidarity. The fines would have been in the millions of dollars. Now, he sued the state with the help of Liberty Council. And they won. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and Gavin Newsom of the state of California had to repay their legal fees, which were $1.3 million. And my question is, why should any American citizen have to sue the government for our First Amendment rights? I mean, it's horrible. 
It's, and I say this was an excuse to shut down churches. It's a virus today. Why is there an excuse going to be tomorrow that there's some kind of hate speech or something? I mean, and, you know, a lot of the churches, as I mentioned earlier, went along passively with this. Uh, a few of the pastors, like um, Rob McCoy in Thousand Oaks and Greg Farrington up around Sacramento, they stood up. They were strong. I write about them in God and Cancel Culture. I tell their stories. But they told me that these pastors would call them, like, in the middle of the night, and they were just so timid. And they, they kept their churches shut down. And then after the Supreme Court allowed them to have church, they had big banners. Oh, we're uh, it's business as usual, or we're back to normal. And it was as if they were celebrating the fact that the government said that they could have church, rather than the fact that the Bible said that they should have uh, forsaken not the assembling together of themselves. I mean, this has shown a lot of things in the Christian community, and I really write this to Christians uh, because I write about revival. I write about a whole bunch of stuff. Secular people aren't going to be that interested, but I think the Church has to wake up, see what's really going on, and try to understand what God is saying through all of this. To be perfectly honest, Steve, we've talked many times. I've been on your podcast. You've been on my show. We've talked many times face-to-face in the different meetings. I've, I've never in my life heard you this passionate. You're feeling the urgency of this. You know, and if we think of, say, a state like, Las Ve- uh, a state like Nevada or a city like Las Vegas, they said, okay, casinos, they can, they, can, they can be open at half capacity. So maybe a really big one, thousands of people could fit in there, so they, they cut that in half. Let's say you have a large church sanctuary that seats 5,000, limit of 50 people. I mean, the, the double standard's so remarkable. You could gather at a church service in California as long as you're wearing masks, as long as it's under 50 people, and you can't sing. So there were clearly unequal standards. As you said, abortion clinics open, liquor stores open. They provide, quote, essential services, but the church doesn't. So meetings to help people dealing with pornography addiction or drug addiction or, or meetings to help teenagers, troubled teens or married couple. No, 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 that's not essential. Or just coming to meet with God and be encouraged. That's not essential. But liquor stores, abortion clinics are essential. So the, the double standards are undeniable. But, but I'm intrigued, Steve, when, when you talk about communism, do you mean just the totalitarian ideology is like communism to, to shut down and cancel all who differ, or are you saying there, there are more similarities with communist ways of thinking that we're witnessing today? Well, it's the latter, Michael. Um, you know, it, it's hard to pin everything down. We have to look at what's happening and try to interpret it. And not everyone on the left is a communist, of course. Right. But there's a certain group think, and they're all going away, along with it, and there are radical fringes. I mean, Black Lives Matter you know, it's a phrase we can all agree to, but the organization itself is pretty clear on its own website uh, what its purposes are. Critical race theory is very extreme. It's been on college campuses, and now suddenly, almost overnight, it's becoming mainstream in the sense that schools are teaching it and all kinds of things. These are uh, communist-type doctrines. They, it involves the tearing down of everything traditional, We've seen that in every single country where the communists have taken over. They've got to get rid of the traditions that we, the traditions of freedom, uh, freedom of religion, all these things. They've got to tear it down and replace it with something else. 
and it's it's some kind of socialism controlled by the government. Even the stuff with COVID is the government controlling our lives in a way that they never have before. Now it's under the guise of health, but really they're just they're getting people used to uh, doing what the government says, regardless. And um, they're also trying to make America impotent as far as standing for freedom. Within 30 years of the Russian Revolution in 1918, a third of the world was under communist control. And it would have been the whole world if it weren't for the United States. I mean, a lot of the Western countries did join with us, but they were not strong enough themselves uh, to stand against communism. And if America goes, I write about it in, um, in Guide and Cancel Culture, there's a whole chapter. It's not cancel culture, it's communism, and I, I interview um, experts who talk about this. And the Chinese government is behind most of it. They fund these things. We hear about Soros. a lot. Uh, he funds a lot of stuff. You know, there's all this push toward one world government. Um, and really, those of us who are Christians can see that what the Bible is saying is true about the end of time. I didn't think I would live long enough to see all this. I figured that this was all going to happen long after I... I was dead, but we're saying how it could happen. The governments are talking about the Great Reset. Um, you know, there's so much chaos in the world. There's going to be a time when a man emerges who's saying he'll bring peace. You know, the Bible calls this person the Antichrist. Meanwhile, the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world. It was even in the first century. I mean, the Apostle Paul used that term. And so there's all these kind of bad things happening. It all, you know, sometimes you wonder if it's just inevitable, but, you know, the Bible tells us to occupy until Jesus comes, and we, we do still have freedoms, and we need to stand up for them, and all this stuff might not happen for, you know, several hundred years, let's say. We're all speculating, but I write about all these things. It's complicated. It's not one thing. It's one thing leads to another, and you see the same trend in another aspect of society or another part of the world. And my job as a journalist was to try to make some sense of this and, and also to give platform to the 22 major leaders who I interviewed. You know, everything's documented. It, it isn't like I sat down at my word processor and just expressed my opinion. Um, I wanted to draw on people that I had known and had interviewed, to, you know, to try to make it a, uh, a package that people would want to to read. You know, just the way I approached it is different than I'm sure that you will. And our company is very happy to have one, two punches, you said earlier, because this is not something that one book is going to solve. And it's not something that people are going to read one time and then, um, you know, it's going to go away. Uh, we're going to have to be vigilant. And this is my way, in my small way, to stand up and say what I need to say. And it was interesting that you said, I'm passionate about it. I am passionate about it. I'm very concerned about where the world is going. It even affects me. We, Our company has experienced some cancel culture. And we're not, we're not wide-eyed radicals. All we do is we believe what we've always believed about uh, the importance of the Bible, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fact that gifts are for today. Um, you know, when we started, that wasn't... 
necessarily controversial. The secular people who didn't believe it, they just kind of ignored it. But now it's almost if you believe biblical values, you're their enemy. And a lot of it comes down, as you would know, to the gay agenda, the whole anything goes sexually uh, aspect. I mean, it's all mixed up. It's not just one thing. And as far as the left is concerned, they all support each other. There are a lot of people that uh, uh, are, I'm going to call them lefties, uh, who are supportive of other things that they're not particularly um, interested in, but it's part of the package. And I'm trying to get the church to wake up. We've been on the defensive. We've been losing ground my entire adult life. This is not new, but it's just happening almost at warp speed now. And we Christians have thought, well, you know, uh, there's abortion, but, you know, they're not forcing us to have abortion. There's all this other uh, immorality on the Internet or anywhere else. But, you know, we're doing our best to follow the Lord, and we're staying away from it, and we're trying to teach our children right, and we're trying to be active in our churches and experience Christian community. All that's fine. That's the kind of life I live. I live in kind of a Christian bubble. Uh, to ignore all that. But you know what? The culture is coming for us. They're get, they want to cancel us. It's like, even though the country is fairly evenly divided, uh, the impression in the media, the government, big tech, is that, uh, you know, they have all the le- levers of power. And it's kind of like, we won, you lost, your opinion is not important, go sit down, shut up, and go away. And if you don't, they want to make you go away, make you lose your job, your way to make a living, uh, ridicule you. I tell the story in my book, God and Cancer Culture, about Anita Bryant. In 1977, yep. uh, she was a popular singer. She was the uh, lady that sang the little ditty for the Florida Citrus Commission as their spokesperson. And she had the audacity to stand up to the first pro-gay, they called it anti-discrimination ordinance, in Miami, Florida. The, the gay community was not identifiable at the time as a political force. And actually, she won. There was a referendum down here in Florida, and she won. But they made her the, the poster child of being anti-gay. If you look her up in Wikipedia, the headlines say that she's an American yep. singer and anti-gay rights activist. That's yep. how they want people to think of her. They ruined her career. And she was the first... Uh, person that I knew about, at least, of what we're seeing today. Yeah, the fact is, friends, many of us have been warning for years, sounding the alarm, saying this was coming. I began saying in 2004, those who came out of the closet, speaking of of activists, gay activists, not your average gay person, but activists, those who came out of the closet wanted to put us in the closet. And Steve, when I first started to say that, people told me, you're crazy. And then a few years went by and they began to say, bigots like you, belong in the closet. Friends, get the book, God and Cancel Culture. Evaluate the evidence for yourself. And then remember, if we stand and do what's right, we overcome. Hey, Steve, thanks for all you're doing. Thanks for your voice. And it's great to partner together. Thank you. Thank you for your friendship and for the opportunity to be on your program. Absolutely. God bless.